0: Welcome to this podcast series from my book, Leadership Starts With You, A Quest for Leadership Excellence. My name is Whitney Brayer and I'm the author of this business novel. It's a story. Yeah, it's a journey. It's a personal and professional journey of Kathleen Battlefield. In this podcast, we'll take a closer look at the topic of high-performing teams and the connection to leadership excellence. Again, Well, because in part one, in the previous podcast, we also looked at two topics connected to high-performing teams, and that was the work climate, the environment that a team is in, and the positivity ratio. So what happens when a working environment or the climate is poisoned? I mean, maybe you've noticed this before. Employees call in sick more often, or a wave of quiet quitting can roll through the team. Or maybe they just simply quit and go somewhere else. Other consequences of a toxic working environment. Well, employees no longer make contributions at meetings. They sit passively and don't say a word as if a a wave of apathy has rolled over them. They stopped trying to speak up, perhaps afraid of or tired of negative comments or backlash. And as you might know, innovation goes downhill no one comes up with new ideas anymore and when that happens productivity and quality decline because everyone's just busy fighting with each other or finger pointing when mistakes happen and when you're working in one of these environments team members often run to the team lead expecting their manager to solve their problems for them and then uh, what happens then The manager or leader winds up resolving interpersonal conflicts all day instead of doing what they should be doing. And now my question for you is, well, what should the manager or the leader be doing instead? My answer is developing people. No, developing people is not their only job, but I do believe it's one of the main jobs of leaders. Developing people means empowering them, providing them with growth opportunities that they get out of their comfort zone but not in over their heads and give them a chance to use their strengths. A positive work climate and successful teams don't come out of the blue. Teams are formed over time and people, team members, are also developed during this process. It is the responsibility of the team leader or manager to guide team members through the development phase. Otherwise, a toxic work climate develops. And that's the focus of part two of high-performing teams in this podcast. Because according to Bruce Tuckman, you can imagine the phases, the phases the team goes through kind of like a clock. Because the first phase is from 12 to 3 p.m. This is the phase that Tuckman called forming. And it's a so-called honeymoon phase of the team building when a group comes together and first gets to know each other. Differences between them are perceived as, yeah, interesting. Yeah, people are curious and they're often in this phase like over-friendly, just trying to be super nice and get started. Now the role of the team lead is to provide guidance. Individual team members must know their roles and responsibilities and what's expected of them. They also need to know exactly what the roles and responsibilities of their coworkers are. In this phase, a team leader has to prioritize getting to know each other and strengthen the sense of belonging. This is even more important when there are large differences in age or work experience. For example, employees who've just started their job working next to colleagues with 30 years of experience. I have to say based on experience, this is a stage that many, many leaders take for granted. And this is where the, the danger is lurking. They take this super nice, friendly atmosphere, this honeymoon atmosphere as peace and believe it's gonna stay like that. And they often establish roles and responsibilities but don't work consciously to build the team. For example, They need to offer the team an opportunity to clarify their expectations among themselves in a workshop. Very simple, basic questions like what do they expect from their leader and vice versa? What do they expect from each other? What rules or guidelines need to be established? Yes, rules and guidelines, questions about values are so critical. You can find the concrete examples of this in the book on page 95 if you want to explore it a bit more deeply. This is also the phase where the team lead shares their purpose with the team. Is this congruent with the rest of the team, this purpose? Do they share these values? And how can the team lead help the team members find meaning in their work? And just a reminder, we tackled the topics of purpose and meaning in the very first podcast of the series. So go back to it if you've missed it. Now, in the forming stage, the team lead needs to make a conscious effort to get to know each other individually, whether it's in a virtual or an office setting. This helps the leader to find out what his or her team members are passionate about or interested in and what drives them. In this way, team members feel valued valued and trust is built. Now, according to Tuckman's model, storming is the next phase, and this is on this Tuckman clock from 3 to 6 p.m. So let me give you a metaphor that might help you understand the importance of conflict. Yeah, conflict is super important in the storming phase. Now, I have twin boys who are now adults, but when they were little, like way back in preschool, They seem to bring home every cold or flu (laughs) that was hanging around the preschool building or in elementary school. They seem like magically attracted to them. And I think all parents know what I'm talking about. But my question to you guys is this. If your children had a cold or a runny nose, would you run immediately to the pharmacy and buy medicine every time your child has a slight fever? Most of the time I hear from parents and trainings, well, of course not. And I say, well, why not? And they say, well, Whitney, these cold, runny nose, noses or mild flus actually strengthen the immune system in the long term. Taking medication too early would do the children more harm in the long term than good in the short term. Exactly, is what I think. And this storming phase is critical to strengthening a team's immune system. Because the honeymoon is over, the forming phase is over, and the difference between the people that at the beginning were exciting or interesting at first, well, they're really starting to wear on your nerves, right? (laughs) And it's so critical that the team lead purposely guides their team through this phase. Team members need to know that differences are normal and a team can only develop if everyone learns to deal with problems openly and respectfully. Many leaders falsely assume that people know how to solve problems, but they don't. People prefer not to say anything as to not jeopardize the harmony or, or not to create any unrest or waves and they sweep these differences under the carpet in the hope that they will be resolved on their own. But as we all know, (laughs) this is not normally the case. Instead, these unspoken issues become the elephant in the room. And everybody pretends not to see it. They tiptoe around this elephant. And then there are other team members who do raise issues, and they mention the elephant, but they do it like a bull in a china shop. And that may come across, now it's unintentional, but it may come across as being insulting or hurtful. It's critical that the team lead facilitates discussions and helps people see that differing points of view are valuable and desirable. And it's almost like the leader needs eyes in the backs of their heads. They have to watch to see if clicks are forming and to make sure that the argument does not become personal. It needs to remain fact-based. And just like children at home, team members test the validity of the rules the team established in this honeymoon phase. Maybe the team decided that showing up on time for meetings, the timing of emails, deadlines, are super important. And when a team lead spots someone not doing this, it needs to be addressed the team lead needs to take action and hold team members accountable for their actions. And employees need to know they have the backing on top on the top of this and know exactly what's going on. But at the same time, it shouldn't, shouldn't be a kind of micromanagement. The team development clock keeps ticking. Now in the third phase from 6 to 9 p.m. is the norming phase. And this is the first time really there's a sense of we that begins to emerge. But I have to tell you, many teams that I know don't make it that far. They stay stuck forever in that that awful storming phase because they never develop the ability to resolve conflicts constructively in a timely manner. They never learn how to give good feedback. They run to the manager with a request to resolve the conflicts for them and the team lead becomes kind of a firefighter over time. And when this happens, a third phase, norming, is impossible to reach. Here everyone accepts their differences and deals with them. They look for solutions together and under the watchful eye of the team lead, they make sure that all opinions are heard and taken into account. People joke and tease each other, but in, a, in a, an appreciative manner. It doesn't go below the belt and no one's hurts. Comments are not personal. Everyone in the team abides by the rules and their roles and areas of competence are respected. There's rarely blame. And if it does happen, the manager steps in and stops it. In this phase, people really take responsibility for their actions and apologize up front immediately and sincerely if they mess something up. And here, there are no groups or cliques where others feel excluded. Of course, you may like one person or the other, more or less, but it shouldn't affect your working relationship. In this phase, I see mixed groups of people having coffee together or lunch. As a manager, I don't see exclusion, but togetherness at the stage, and I make sure that no one is forgotten. This phase, norming, is all about inclusion. Now, last but not least comes the performing phase from 9 p.m. to midnight. Of course, if a team has not successfully completed the first three phases, this final phase is out of reach. In the performing phase, teams do just that. They perform. In other words, they deliver. Here, team leads no longer delegate, but they empower their employees. Roles are clear, problems are solved together, and in a timely manner. Team members support each other and ask for help when needed. The manager's job is to make sure they don't get stuck in their comfort zones or allow complacency to creep in. Leaders should remain alert, and teams may fall back on old, unhealthy habits. Managers should develop their employees. They challenge them in such a way that they feel their passion for a cause and get into flow, but do not simply throw them into the deep end in which they sink miserably. These four phases, forming, storming, norming, performing, are essential for high-performing teams to emerge. And yes, the leader is a decisive factor in all four phases. You can find additional tips and further information on this on page 126 in the book or in the separate learning journal, which is available. So grow your life, grow your team, grow your business, and remember, always remember, leadership starts with you.